0: Vulture's Good One podcast is sponsored by HBO's Crashing. Starring Pete Holmes, the new comedy series premieres on Sunday, February 19th at 10.30 p.m. Co-created by Holmes and Judd Apatow, the show draws on their experience as comedians, offering a behind-the-scenes look at the unpredictable world of stand-up comedy. Guest stars include Artie Lang, T.J. Miller, Sarah Silverman, and Hannibal Buress. Again, HBO's Crashing premieres February 19th at 10.30 p.m. Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes, a weekly podcast about, well, jokes and the comedians who tell them. I'm Vulture.com senior editor Jesse David Fox. Since this is the first episode, I'll try to explain like our, our whole deal. Each episode, I will have a comedian on to play and talk about one of their jokes. How can I just talk about one joke for so long, you might ask? To which I would reply, that is a very rude question for you to ask me on my first episode. Also, just listen, you'll see. It's easy. For our first episode, we have Jim Gaffigan, whose fifth stand-up special, Cinco, is currently on Netflix. We went to Jim's apartment, which he shares with his wife and five million children. Jim is a joke writer's joke writer, deliberately writing compact hard jokes and chunking them together until a topic has been exhausted. He joked about Hot Pocket so well over a decade ago that people still shout Hot Pocket at him when he walks around. We'll be talking about a joke from Cinco that comes at the end of a long section about TV and how much Jim watches. The bit focuses on cable news and why the anchors have to be so good-looking, which is true. Fortunately for me, podcasters aren't held to the same standards. We're allowed to look like tall nerds. Okay, here's Jim Gaffigan.
1: I watch a lot of cable news because I enjoy being depressed. <laughs> That's the only reason to watch. After five minutes, they just repeat the same stories. Remember that horrible thing? Wait till we show you 20 more times. <laughs> you won't be able to sleep. I think it's interesting how all the cable newscasters are very attractive. They're very attractive and they're dressed up. I don't know why. You know, you're talking about a hurricane. What's with the evening gown? <laughs> but we all kind of watch like, thanks for showing some leg. <laughs> cable newscasters are so attractive, when they interview a regular person, it's visually distracting. <laughs> like, is that a bad guy? <laughs> we are a victim. I know they're a loser in this scenario, but... (laughs) But the newscasters, those are our town gossips, right? That's what newscasters are, they're town gossips. They're like, you're not gonna believe what happened to this person you've never met before. (laughs) Isn't that sad? By the way, there's some weird stuff going on in England. I have a friend, John, over there. John, why don't you tell him about it? (laughs) Thanks, John. Isn't that horrible? By the way, it's going to rain tomorrow. I'm like 99% positive it's going to rain, and that's sad. Most of my friends under the age of 30 don't even have cable. I'm like, where do you send your $500 a month?
0: I'm here with the person who told the joke you just heard, Jim Gaffigan, live from the, the Gaffigan residence. Thank you. The Gaffigan compound. The Gaffigan compound. So there are a lot of jokes in the special, like kind of all your specials, a lot of jokes. You know, why did this one stand out to you?
1: Well, I think some of it, this is an observation. I mean, there's many, uh, there's a couple observations in there. But it was something uh, about the observation of newscasters that... I've always found fascinating. And also the superficiality of our culture that we need people to be attractive. Like, it's not necessary. But, you know, and I know that the commonly held belief is like the blonde women on Fox. But like MSNBC, they're beautiful women, too. You know, I'm sure... I mean, I don't know if Chris Matthews is good looking, but um But like David Muir is good like one of the better yeah. looking guys in yeah. the world. He's like he looks like a Latin heartthrob. Yeah. And so there is just something very strange. And like obviously we know on an international stage that you know the Europeans like have like newscasters that don't have bras on and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. It's just weird that we want information, but we also want it pleasantly delivered.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you said you've had that observation for a while. What then moves it to a thing that it's like on the top burner of like, let's try to crack this nut as a thing to do something about?
1: Well, I, I think it was I was doing a larger chunk on... Television, which was about actually binge watching, which was something, it was a collection of ideas that, I mean, binge watching is something that everyone does, but it was, uh, you know, specifically from my point of view, which ends up being a common. You know, like I'm not somebody who's like I loved this book. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. read this book. It's usually like something that everyone yeah. else is doing, which is wasting time on yeah. Netflix. And so I've always had jokes on newscasters yeah. that I could never really like. There's a whole chunk that I didn't include, which is about the local news. Yeah, and New York One specifically. Yeah, uh, with you know watching New York One, it's kind of like. I love New York one and as New Yorkers, you love New York one, but it's, it's a little bit like watching a friend in a play. Yeah. You know, it's like good for you. Good for you pretending yeah. to be a newscaster. It's like, no, I totally didn't, you know, you totally look professional. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit of like that. Yeah. A little bit. Less. Everyone who's done a play in a production, you're like, it was similar to Broadway. Right. And yeah. you're like, yeah, sure. And so, There were elements of it, but like the larger idea of news is gossip. Yeah. And it also goes back to, I think we've been discussing uh, as a cultural thing, how can people be objective in how they deliver news? Like we we, generally, people look at Fox News and we're like, they're lying. (laughs) These people are lying. But to me, what, what I saw is, they're lying, but it's impossible for anyone not to, lie. to deliver the news without their spin. And, yeah. like, even by the way, I love Rachel Maddow, but like, Rachel, when she's talking, is like she's talking to a friend yeah. when she's doing her show. And she's like, You're not going to believe what happened today. Yeah. Which is very much like Rachel's the smartest friend you have who's explaining it from a historical context. Yeah. And, and so that was some of the, the fact that it's gossip. I yeah. mean, Rachel's attractive, too. It's like yeah. there's, there's no morbidly obese newscasters. And there's some pretty smart, morbidly obese <laughs> people. people. Yeah. They you don't know? get to be on camera. Right.
0: Yeah. It's, they have podcasts where they just get to write.
1: Right. Or they, they get to write. Like yeah, George R picture. Martin is yeah. not a newscaster for a very good reason. Yeah, You know, I mean, I love the Greek sailor cap, but, like, there's a reason why he's writing books yeah. and not, like, hosting, uh, you know, a movie
0: review show on <laughs> NPR. You mentioned the, the politics of it. I, is, I was thinking about that, like, it's not an explicitly political bit, but, you know, it's about cable news, which has certain connotations. You, the way you use the word sad reminded me. You go sad twice, and that kind of reminded me of yeah. Donald Trump. Did you think, like, you know... I think you don't, you're not necessarily explicitly political comedian, obviously, but was this kind of like, Oh, let me see if I can dip my toe in that kind of vicinity. Yeah, I think so.
1: And I think because, I mean, look, we're, you know, the whole Trump thing is, you know, I wish it was an 800 pound gorilla. (laughs) It's like an 8,000 pound Mm -hmm. gorilla, but I think that there's something about, it's not just Fox news. It's not just, uh msnbc yeah. it's not just it's npr it's local news there is an emotional manipulation that's yeah. occurring it's not some of it's not conscious but it's like local news is like hey you know there's a murderer on the loose <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah there's something about the whole process that doesn't feel constructive it's entertainment yeah. moving into
0: information yeah. which is we all agree, is not good. Yeah. It's not good. But so I think even as you're you're talking about it, you know, I think you're coming from it from the goal of our, My this observation is not to say someone's right or wrong, but there is a certain sort of lack of bias to your argument about this bias. You're not like Fox News. You know, you don't go like, I watch Fox News because I'm angry at it. You're like, this is a problem that are both sides. Do you think it's partly... That you have maybe a more mixed audience than a lot of comedians?
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's... You know, it's so funny because it's like here we are in this day and age where like (laughs) a mixed audience refers to Republicans and liberals. (laughs) Yeah. A mixed audience? Yeah. (laughs) It's like socially liberal.
0: Yeah. It's like conservatives and progressives. That's mixed? Yeah. I mean... I guess, I mean... uh, but even that, the fact that you, I mean, that's a fair point that you that you point out. <laughs> but it is because I think like uh, you go to many comedy shows, and in now I think what have especially during this election, comedians that are even vaguely political have found out that their audience was mixed, or in that term, and that the audience didn't like that they were political. Like I think Amy Schumer had, you know, people were booing or whatever. And she was like, i was just being who I always was. But to some yeah, people. I mean,
1: well, that's all I mean, that's there's a political thing, yeah. but there's also, you know, and by the way, I'm also here's where I'm gonna contradict myself. Sure. There is part of me that's like, I, I think it's funny because I'll do a tweet on a topic and yeah. people will be like, Don't be political, <laughs> stick to hot <our> pockets. <laughs> da, da, da. And the thing is, is like I I think that we're we're entering a very dangerous time. Where people are don't talk about that, but I think that on the other side of that, there is this kind of. I think that there is a responsibility. I think you're supposed to make everyone laugh. I mean, I am a New York comedian in the vein of like Dave Attell, Kevin Brennan, all these New York comedians that you're supposed to—they're supposed to laugh at your jokes and not like you. It's not important that they like you. It's yeah. important that you make them laugh. And so like I do believe that and you see it in Bill Burr. It's yeah. like you're supposed to laugh. You're not supposed to be like I'm like him. Yeah. This isn't a campaign rally. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like you're
0: not like me but we're going to indulge this. Right. We give though you a safe space to yes. listen to this idea. And so like
1: there is part of me that's I'm not trying to make half the people in the room laugh. I'm trying to make everyone laugh. Yeah. I do want the lesbian couple and the Mormon family to yeah. laugh. I'm not trying to get everyone. <laughs> but it's, a, it's actually a very, you know, you should be able to get the pipe fitter and the, you know, vulture reporter yeah. to laugh. You should. Yeah. I mean... I know that, like, from a career standpoint, it might be more
0: important to get the (laughs) vulture reporter. Um, I mean, there's a lot more pipefitters than there are vulture reporters. I mean, when you write a joke, your goal is that everyone laughs. But are you thinking, you know, is it ultimately like, what makes me laugh and let me figure out how to translate that so that everyone understands it? Would it be that how you'd phrase it? Or how I phrase it?
1: Yeah, no, I would say there is something about a universal truth behind an idea yeah right it's point of view driven but it's is there a universal truth i don't think that us and them comedy it's yeah. really easy yeah i mean that's like that guy's shirt you know it's <laughs> like put down comedy that's eighth yeah. grade right yeah. there is something about if a laugh is coming at the expense of someone else is that is that a funny joke yeah Look, I think Joan Rivers is very funny. I think Paul Mooney is very funny. But like, you know, not to get kind of, are you bringing light? Or are you <laughs> bringing darkness? Because human beings, we love we love violence mm-hmm. and sex. Yeah. So violence sells, sex sells. You know, a dick joke's great. You know, like, let's make fun of that guy's shirt. Yeah. funny. But like, that I don't believe has... That doesn't have a length to it. I don't know. This is this is
0: fun. Ask me another question. <laughs> sure. So let's back up a little bit to kind of get a sense of like. Yeah. So you you had the thing about you had a, a bit about TV and yeah. you knew this. So then you know I I'm always interested in writing partnerships in like the most basic sense of how it works. And you write with yes. your wife, which is yes. a very complicated one, I imagine, as all writing partnerships. Yes. On a you know on a basic level, how does it work? Basic
1: level, how it works is, you know, it's developed over time. Yeah. So it's, but our relationship is, you know, we we both have this ethic, work ethic that is, we enjoy it. Like it doesn't feel like work. But it's changed because when we had two kids, the kids could be asleep and we could drink wine and go over stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we got five kids. And like once a kid gets like 12, they never go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You're like, can you leave? <laughs> yeah. So the, it, it's, it can be kind of um we get our writing yeah. sessions when we can. Or it's an editing thing where she'll watch my set like I did shows in London. And she would come yeah. to the show and she would say after this, like, by the way, you're coming across like a pig in this joke. Yeah. Or this is funny or this is too much or... And she'll add, you know, brilliant insights that will expand the joke, or she'll come up with lines. And so, does that kind of cover what it is?
0: So, like when you like for like this bit, when you start working on it at most basic level, what do you go up on stage with? Like, how much of the idea, how much of the joke of it, are you going up with just the thing, and you'll figure it out? Like, how written are you by the time you're saying it out? It's
1: some of it's just the nub of an idea. Yeah where it's again going back to like basic things of like i hate yeah like i hate the fact that i watch so much cable news or i i you know i'm annoyed by the fact that why are all the cable news people why do they have to be good looking (laughs) you know why is that um necessary for us to take news yeah it's it's well you know it's similar to like a why does a waiter need to be attractive you know yeah. it's like i'll have the filet and if you could have it served by like an eight that would <laughs> yeah. be great you know it's like he doesn't yeah. have to have his shirt off you know i mean i'm not even gay but i want a good-looking man yeah, delivering my steak but like but that's more of a a human uh behavior yeah. rather than a political thing sure because i think that political things even if we've even seen in this yeah. election, it's – some of it's not social issues. Some of it's not economic interests. Yeah. It's just kind of like people are voting. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> just like, sitting there going, vote. what? So, uh, it's a human behavior yeah. thing. And even like, you know, I'll have jokes about Jesus and people will be like – some people be like, how dare you? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it's about a human being. Yeah, yeah. It's not – I'm not sitting there saying – it's horseshit. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying it's, it's, it's all about, it's just, it's essentially observational material. And in the way, in a way, like, you know, like I think Seinfeld actually believes this too, which is like, in the end, it's all jokes. Yeah. Like, I remember I did this benefit and Ricky Gervais was there and afterwards, and I love Ricky. And he was like, so you just go up there and do jokes. And I'm like, yeah, that's what (laughs) you do too. Yeah. Stop acting like you're writing, you know, you're not Socrates, yeah. all right? It's like, I know, like, you're you're a brilliant mind, but, like, you're doing jokes, too. Yeah. You might be hiding them behind some well-constructed
0: story, but, like... Yeah, just because yours are shorter doesn't mean they're more jokes than other people's jokes. Right. It's just, you know, it's it's a strange thing. So you'll, like, kind of maybe talk about, talk it out a little bit, like, yes. at a club and then... I'll talk
1: it out. You know, maybe Jeannie and I, my wife, yeah. will. We'll, I'll bring up newscasters and we'll figure out things. And some jokes, I'll come up with some jokes and, or we'll come up with some, obs- it's observations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes what's really fun about trying it on stage is sometimes it's just like you just start talking and yeah. it kind of like, it comes out. And, or the wording you did when you wrote it out will change. Yeah. It's it's I think maybe it's having done it so long. It's like the punch word ends the sentence. Yeah. And
0: um, that's in I had, I had a question about yeah. one of the ways one of the punchlines ends specifically about that since you brought it up. Yeah. So of the first half of the joke, which is about um, why they're so attractive, that the, the punchline goes, Is that a bad guy or a victim? I know they're a loser in the scenario, but it ends on a but and not on the scenario, which is essentially like the end of the thought. Right. Well, some of it is. And I'm definitely guilty of this
1: in that. Like I remember one time Colin Quinn saw me on Letterman. He goes, he goes, why do you have to be so organized in everything? (laughs) Because I am very organized. I'll be and I write and rewrite. Yeah. Like you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and um but there is something, uh the, the looser it is, the yeah. more organic yeah. it feels. That's what people love. Yeah. They you know, even developing, you know, like I have a new hour from Cinco that that's after yeah. Cinco, and people love seeing someone flounder on stage and find jokes. Yeah that's not to say so people uh respond to the vulnerability yeah. but people also love confidence yeah and so there is something of you know like there's these rules or these kind of premises yeah. of ideas that you break them all yeah right so it's understanding them so but th- uh, that rule would be like keep it
0: conversational yeah right yeah, because, I mean, you're saying it like you're a person responding to it. So it yes. needs to sound like how a person would talk. Right. And so what, what was that? What was my line again? Because so it goes, there is something. Yeah, because it's the difference of attractiveness. that goes, yeah. is that a bad guy or a victim? I know they're the loser in this scenario, but. So, like, I would
1: say, I know they're a loser in this scenario. That Like, they're tags, and yeah. then there's kind of, there's an insight. Yeah. Which is, essentially, if you're not
0: good looking, you're a loser. <laughs>
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which is our societal belief.
0: So the other part of the joke, what I found most interesting is when you're, you know, you're, when you're doing the newscaster gossip, you throw to the person in England, but you then don't go to that person. You stay as the person
1: at the desk. And by the way, that is a discussion I had with my wife. She was always kind of like, why don't we hear from that person? And I go, because we, I just think it's so funny. It's just, yeah the the gossipy friend referring to the gossipy friend. That's the idea that yeah. I wanted to communicate. It, and, and by the way, it doesn't have to be yeah. an English friend. It just it's just they throw to these other newscasters yeah. in a manner that it's just like, uh, like they're an expert. But they're not. They're just there <laughs> yeah. communicating just the to be gossip there, yeah they've heard. I mean I guess it's just like there's moments where we're seeing behind the curtain and what we're seeing behind the curtain with newscasters and political reporters is they don't know they really don't they're like well you know what they meant what obama meant by that you don't know (laughs) that's your guess i mean you you might hang out at the pentagon (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. you don't know any more than we do.
0: Yeah, I think it's like we uh we don't have the same understanding what certain words mean, but we try to pretend like we do. So then these oh people gosh. are interpreting what people are saying, and now it's, you know, nuts. But it is interesting, you know, with this one that you are like, okay, we're throwing it to another person, but we don't care about that person. Well, you know, it's interesting even hearing us talk about this this
1: chunk. Yeah. Because... I mean, obviously, I did not come up with this, but like we are in this era where the um, in this this post Trump era where the media is under a microscope and there is fake news. And it's like now I'm kind of like, well, that's not what I wanted (laughs) it to say.
0: Uh, When is a joke finished? Like in terms of not in terms of when do you stop telling it, but in terms of this joke is the finished product of what this joke is. It's interesting because I don't know if this chunk was finished. You know, I think
1: that there is there are chunks when I'm kind of dealing with a bunch of observations. Yeah. So there's stories. Yeah. Like, I, in that special, I have this donut, this box yeah. of donuts that are given to me, and then. So the observations in other specials, I've had observations about bottled water, and I'll just go, all right, every idea on bottled water, (laughs) every idea on bacon, and my wife and I'll just sit there and go, what else about bacon? (laughs) What else about bacon? And it ends up, you cover it from every corner. And then there's, you know, this is much more of an observation and a little bit of a social commentary in there. But- I don't know if there is an ending to that. Yeah. I definitely want there to be some meaning in my... Yeah. I want people to laugh at themselves and maybe learn something, but I don't want it to be like, and that's why racism is bad. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that that some of that stuff is self-congratulatory. It's like, you know what? I support the troops. Everyone supports the (laughs) troops. We're all against racism. Yeah. Yeah. We all think everyone should be able to get married yeah you know i'm not talking about
0: yeah you know what i mean it's see and you don't need the audience to constantly be reaffirmed that you are so smart for your good (laughs) opinions yeah i
1: think by the way i mean i that's a topic that i've yet to kind of delve into but like that really that's what i'm seeing so much on
0: the internet in like the sort of performance of opinions
1: I think that we all, I mean, I think I really want to be considered smart, <laughs> but I think we all want to be considered smart. Yeah. And in it's, it's almost a greed for <laughs> intelligence. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, we all can't work at the New Yorker. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. There's like a privilege of the amount of information we expect people to have where it's like, Oh, I have time to read all these things. You didn't read all these things. There's like that, uh, the Portlandia sketch of like, it was like, did you read that? Did you read that? Oh, really? That's yeah. so perfect. Cause I have a mini panic attack. When <laughs> someone goes,
1: have you read that New York times article? I'm like, <laughs> and you
0: should be like, no, what did it say? But instead you feel bad that you have not read it.
1: Right. And And by the way, I have all these books on the wall and I, you know, I, there was a time when I would read a book a week. Yeah. I would give myself assignments. Like I'm going to read all the great books. Yeah. And now I'm like, you know, I read Goodnight Moon <laughs> for know?
0: the 30th time this week. Right. We have to take a break for a word from our sponsor, but we'll right back with Jim Gaffigan. Hey, so this is the second ad slot where I'm supposed to talk about HBO's crashing. So so my plan each week is just to recap what happened in the last episode. But since this comes out before the show premieres, I thought I'll just recap what happens in the poster. All right, so the first thing in the foreground, it says crashing in big letters, February 19th, 10.30 p.m., HBO. All right, so then above that, it says a new comedy series from executive producer Jed Apatow. And then so behind all the words, is a couch. And on the couch is Pete Holmes, and he's screaming. No, he's not screaming. I think he's yawning because he's on a couch and there's sheets all around and there's a rolling suitcase. So I guess he just woke up from sleeping on this couch. A couch that is in the middle of the street of Greenwich Village. So behind the couch is, a, I imagine the tagline for the show, he's lost everything but his sense of humor. So I guess what he lost was this house that surrounded the couch because it floated away and now he's just trapped in the middle of the street or, or, or maybe just like got divorced and now all's left is being a stand up comedian, which would make sense because that is what happened to Pete Holmes. So then behind all of that is a bunch of businesses with comically generic names. So there's Luigi's Pizza, a Thai restaurant, Italian restaurant, and then it just says Comedy Club. So that tells me that Crashing is a TV show, a TV show that premieres on February 19th, 1030 p.m. on HBO. And that has been your recap. We are back with Jim Gaffigan, whose fifth stand-up special, Cinco, is available now on Netflix. Still so that joke. Uh, you, you do a voice at the end of it, of this bit, but you don't do, you know, the voice that I guess you became known for, the, 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 the inner voice yeah. And generally, it shows up much less in the special yeah. than everything else. Why did that change? You know, what role does that play in your act? And why then maybe not in your acting? You
1: know, the the inner voice, or uh, it's something that is here and there. I mean, some of it is evolving. Yeah. You're, you know, I don't really talk about food for the first 40 minutes either. Yeah. But, you know, some of it is, you know, you always want to be evolving. right? Yeah. And so... I didn't, I don't know. There's nothing kind of like consciously. Yeah. Because it is fun when you're playing to do that, but it's like, I I kind of try and always remove crutches. Yeah. Like even, you know, when we started this, I was like, play the joke for me. (laughs) Because I know it's my most recent special, but I get done with a special and I'm kind of, I immediately go into forget mode. Yeah. Yeah you know, on a lot of jokes and that's so that I have to fill it with new jokes. Yeah. It's like, I only have the memory. It's like, I have like an iPhone four that only can hold like yeah 120 minutes of music, yeah. but it's new jokes. And so th- I guess the point I'm saying is that, uh, uh, you know, you're trying to come up with new stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's a simple. Yeah.
0: But I do think, you know, cause I preparing for this, I listened to all of them, like kind of back yeah. to back and it is a subtle shift, but you know, definitely a shift. And like something I noticed, you know, instead of kind of doing what the voice of what the audience might say, yeah. you did a thing, which is instead you go, you know, I had some audience members who reacted this way to the joke, which is a very different yeah. thing to do. It's a much more conversational yeah. tone than you might've done. Oh, yeah. Like
1: with the, uh, Americans, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, there's the international travel, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's like I mean, that's what's so fun about stand up comedy is you're, you know, you're evolving. Yeah, and you know, as you tour around doing theater shows, what's amazing about doing theater shows is everyone who's shown up there understands, or like maybe it's ninety eight yeah. percent understands your comedic point of view and probably likes it (laughs) so you you can go off in different directions like you might sit there and go well why do all your specials sound the same (laughs) but like you can there's it's it's like the best
0: conversation it's like talking to an old friend yeah that's interesting because you said you know the comedy seller guys are like we don't need them to like you but there it does seem like as you talk about it, you like that they do and, and how it frees you up to tell a different type of joke.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there is, uh, starting uh, doing stand up and watching David tell and, uh, you know, these types, it's like having any emotion or glee on stage was, that's like, (laughs) would be the equivalent of tap dancing on stage. It's like, that's like begging for approval. It's, and uh, tell or kevin brennan kind of like i don't care yeah i'm just gonna come up here or like bill burr who's kind of a little bit angry yeah is very like, much, how dare
0: you show up for my show
1: yeah it's just kind of like i don't need you people yeah is very much i mean i think it's new york but i
0: think it's also the northeast in yeah. general just it anger like, it was like that time and we came up like is at like almost a peak of that time Was like right Around when like Tough Crowd was like the zeitgeist of like how comedians should act. But then uh, you also like would do like alt shows, which I think yeah. the audience has a complete different expectation Absolutely. of like how a comedian should communicate. Yeah. And so when you when you do a move like that, you are like, oh, you know, an audience might say this where it's much more there's space for you to just kind of talk. It felt... Yeah. Like what I've seen a lot of comedians kind of do more kind of in the last decade or so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's so interesting how it's changed.
1: Like yeah. every now and then uh, I'll have interviews and someone will be like, so when you get heckled, and I'm sitting there going, why <laughs> would I be getting heckled? Like who's heckling It's you? not about me. Yeah. It's not about like, oh, I'm so unheckable, heckleable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heckleable, yeah. Uh it's just like this isn't the era of Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Like the enough people have turned to people that are heckling and say, stop doing that asshole. Yeah. Where people typically don't do that.
0: Yeah. Where, you know, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, well, like, I think there's enough people that now know enough about comedy to know not to do. I mean, that's part of like why I want yeah. to do this podcast is to continually inform like audiences to be like best practices of an audience and yeah. I think like heckling or uh like participating where they like feel like they should talk back to your where yeah. that's the new version where it's like you're so conversational that they think you're actually talking to them yeah I mean it's
1: you know it's changed so much but like you think about a you know a 15 year old today they have I mean all my specials are on Netflix yeah so if you only have Netflix, you're eventually gonna and if you like stand up comedy, you're gonna watch two of them, yeah, but when I was growing up, I mean yeah. they didn't even have television, yeah, no, when I was growing <laughs> up the, you know if you you had to go to the Museum of television and radio radio a, yeah to to watch stand up or watch the Tonight Show, and you'd see five minutes of Seinfeld, yeah, and so it's so people are kind of educated on what it is, and then also the alt scene yeah is. Very important, you know, in developing and challenging people to not just be crowd-pleasing yeah. machines.
0: So in terms of, of using voices, you know, there's a musicality to a lot of how your stand-up works. Oh, I find that so flattering. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but when you work on it, you know, like I, I think of like the classic example, like I've seen Chris Rock work on stuff and he has like yeah. no affect whatsoever. None. And you, then he turns on the preacher. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I've seen him bomb on purpose and uh, like because like if something works, he doesn't want the next joke to ride on the momentum of that joke. So he'll start like stammering or whatever just to kind of kill it when you work on stuff. Do you kind of incorporate maybe more performance later? or Do you kind of have it kind of fully formed like, oh, there should be a voice now or like a more sing song or like an acted out punchline. Edits. I mean,
1: well, you know, I mean, basic writing skills would tell you the the greater detail. So like, yeah. You know, doing a character is going to add, you know, it's going to help paint a more detailed picture, but I think for me it's finding an observation and then uh, I gain more confidence in the joke. And so I even when I listen to my set It'll be like the new joke, uh, like the, the jokes at work, I'm talking it. And then the new ones, I'm like, I don't worry it's, a, it's, and yeah. so like, I'll look at Chris Rock and Seinfeld and there is a certain, like, like there's a certain, you know, it, you talked about Chris Rock because yeah. my wife and I, we saw him in LA many years ago and he was like, what else is there? What else is there? Yeah. And it's just silence. Yeah. And the audience is sitting there going, huh? What's going on here? <laughs> And he's like I don't give a shit. Yeah. And but it that's how he comes up with yeah. material
0: whereas I think I'm a little bit like ah, still like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's how your process is your process. I mean yeah. his is an extreme of yeah, I mean I saw him do an hour and 10 minutes and have almost no jokes just to be like seeing what an audience might react to. You know, he'll say essentially straight up offensive things to see if he can get an inch from different types of audiences. Yeah, I mean, see, there's also
1: shock. Yeah. First of all, shock and liberty. You know, like our concept of liberty is always moving. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, and that does it sound like I'm trying to sound smart. <laughs> yeah. But like, so like the our concept of shock is always moving. Yeah. And also like what was shocking? is just like offensive like (laughs) like bill hicks was like downright homophobic yeah like like gay people are bad yeah and so and same with sam kennison yeah right and so shock to me yeah and and that's not to say that i don't use a little bit of shock and some of it my my shock might be uh, a whiff of misogynism yeah and it's but, like, that shock is just to kind of gain their attention. Yeah. And by the way, the shock also could be r- religion. Yeah. It's like uh, there's nothing I personally enjoy more than, like, like there's nothing more toxic to a secular audience <laughs> than the idea of, like, a real Christian talking about yeah. their faith. <laughs> so, like, bringing that uh, to a secular audience. And then alleviate that tension like, oh, all right, he's not, you know, he's not a a Westboro Baptist is is the same thing as saying fuck in front of nuns.
0: Yeah. Do you think you're a better comedian now than you were five years ago, 10 years ago? Absolutely. A hundred times better. And what is that better?
1: I think even in writing this new special, which is not Cinco. Yeah. It's, you know, it's different skills. It's, you know... It's, you know storytelling it's you know storytelling is a rather scary thing and yeah. by the way like dave chappelle that's he's like probably one of the best storytellers we've had yeah and louis an amazing storyteller but so there's different skills and finding those skills and trying those skills are really fun and scary yeah. whereas a Getting beyond that, just here's a topic and I'm going to I have a point of view on it and I'm going to dismantle
0: it and then maybe I'm going to turn it on its side. Yeah. Is it a matter of trying to know if people are are interested even when they're not laughing? Like, what is the thing that you're trying to get? I mean, like, obviously, like comedy is about when people are laughing, but like storytelling demands them paying attention. Have, Have you had to figure out what those laughs sound like and how it's different? Yeah, I mean, well, I think some of it
1: is a gut thing. Yeah. So there's I I want to say it's a topic, but it's it's finding a topic or finding you know like I have in this new hour I have like a 7 minute story about opening for the Pope. Yeah. And that for like 6 months was just an awkward experience. And then figuring out how to tell the yeah. story ended up Being really, some of it was talking about it on podcasts. Yeah. And then, um, but some of it is, you know, it's nubs of idea. It all goes back to like uh, the Mark Twain, how to tell a story. Yeah. Right. I did these shows in London and my kids were with me and we would spend time doing rather touristy things. And we were in Piccadilly Circus, which is the worst place on earth. And... I remember walking by to our hotel and we would see this M&M store and i would be like, you know, and, and so like that moment of like, uh, yeah, is, which is negative. Yeah. Is, I don't know what the insight's going to be, but there's something there yeah, that if I can get beyond kind of like the basic, like I hate materialism, you know, <laughs> yeah. if I can get beyond basic, yeah, commentary on gluttony and there's an insight there yeah that'll be funny because it's that's the mirror yeah. that i think humans want to laugh at themselves yeah. i believe yeah so it's finding those nubs of idea and typically they're uncomfortable yeah. or their anger or their
0: frustration well it's like you there's a strong feeling and that is probably at this yeah. point you're now attuned you're attended to know like Oh, I have a strong feeling about this. There's probably something there. Yes. <laughs> that sound means it's time for a final segment, the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because comedy, it's no, laughing. That's hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so you, you can tip- rewrite that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's. So uh, we've
1: th- already called it
0: laughing round. It's already on uh, yeah. only on the record. So, um, typical lightning round rules. Um, B. <laughs> Okay. If you could be any other comedian for a set, who would it be and what would the set be or where would the set be? Just to like live in their body. Oh, um,
1: I think I'd want to be Jonathan Winters Oh, for uh, just some of those old time stuff that I saw him do. Uh, you know, it's just that mind. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, it's pretty amazing that mind and um, humor out of nothing and characters. And it wasn't mean. Yeah. He wasn't mean. It was, but it was pretty absurd. Yeah. And, uh, and it was very American, (laughs) you know, which one of your kids is the funniest. I can't answer that. It changes. It honestly does change. Some, some of them are, Some of them are funny intentionally and some of them aren't. But I would also say there's being funny and then there's understanding funny. Yeah. And so, you know, I think in my family, I was considered third funniest. But. (laughs) And look at you go. I have more comedy specials. than
0: (laughs) Than all of them. Yeah. Than all of them combined, I imagine. That's right. Do you have a joke that never gets a laugh, that no one really likes, but you believe in it? That you'll go to the grave thinking this is funny?
1: Uh, you know, it's, some of it, it might be regional. It might be local a little bit, but, uh, you know, I had this joke and it it typically, it can work usually in New York, but I have a joke where I go, you know, every fall in New York celebrates, uh, uh, fashion week, a whole week to celebrate and honor fashion. (laughs) The earth gets one day. (laughs) And so, um. I think it's funny, but yeah. it's it might work a little bit in New York, but it's you know outside of you know it takes too much to explain outside of New York. So. Yeah, that makes because they
0: don't they'll be like, okay, I think I understand what you mean by Fashion Week, but let's yeah. like see how the city is like infested with models for a week.
1: Yeah, and or there you know it just appears like you know I'm just this doughy white guy who's
0: railing against fashion. It's obviously just jealousy. Well, that's it for this week's show. Jim Gaffigan's fifth stand-up special, Cinco, is available on Netflix. Later this year, you'll be able to see him on the third season of Fargo and six movies. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jim Gaffigan. Good One is sponsored by HBO's Crashing. Jordan Bell is our producer. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Please subscribe to the show and write a review on iTunes. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Thanks for listening.